Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. This is Jason Gewurz, the editor and publisher of Sports Travel Magazine. This episode of the podcast is once again sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo. Teams is the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. This year will again feature the U.S. Olympic Committee's SportsLink and NGB Best Practices Seminars, as well as the annual symposium of the National Congress of State Games, both of which are co-locating their events at Teams. This year's conference will be held November 11th through the 14th at the Anaheim Convention Center in Anaheim, California. For more details on all that we've got planned at Teams, you can visit teamsconference.com. And now on to our conversation with Amanda Duffy. Amanda joined the National Women's Soccer League in 2017 as Managing Director of Operations after having worked several years in executive positions at Louisville City FC in the USL. In January, she was named president of the NWSL, which has started its record-breaking seventh season featuring nine teams, making it the longest-lasting of several recent efforts at professional women's soccer in the United States. This year is particularly important to the NWSL since it's a World Cup year. The FIFA Women's World Cup will take place June 7th through July 7th in France, and once again, the United States is favored to make a deep run, if not win at all, as they seek to defend their title from 2015. The NWSL has survived in part through support from U.S. soccer, which has made investments in the league, but it hasn't been without its challenges, including the loss of A&E as a broadcast partner and league investor earlier this year. Still, there are signs of positive growth in the league, which saw attendance up last season and fully expects to ride a wave of interest once the World Cup concludes this summer. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Amanda Duffy about the state of women's soccer and what's in store for years to come. Amanda Duffy, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Well, it's great to have you on, and and there's a lot to discuss with the new season beginning. And of course, this is a World Cup year. But let me start by saying congratulations to you on on the recent promotion to president of the National Women's Soccer League. Thank you. It's uh, it's an exciting time to be a part of women's soccer and a part of NWSL. And we're kicking off our seventh season and we're thrilled about the growth of the league during this during the past six years and what's in store for us this season. Excellent. Well, we'll get into a, a little bit of that. But first, Amanda, tell me a little bit about your background, because I, I know that you played soccer in college uh, as well before you embarked on a career in sports management. But what was your road from athlete to executive? Yeah, so I, uh, I, I went to college at East Carolina University in, in Eastern North Carolina and played soccer at ECU and played a few years semi-professionally here in the United States before making my way over to Sweden for a season in the Swedish uh, first division. And during that time between graduating from college with a degree in exercise and sports science, pursued my master's degree in sport management during those years that I was still in the United States. And when I came back from Sweden, I knew that that I wanted to be a part of sports and a part of soccer in, in a bigger way and, and reached out to relationships I had at United Soccer Leagues, which was based in Tampa, Florida, still is, and was able to pursue a path through USL, through opportunities at USL that allowed me to enter the game in an administrative capacity and was fortunate to be able to touch so many areas under USL, which United Soccer Leagues is a pyramid business structure that has everything from youth to adult amateur to professional leagues. In addition to that, also had Olympic development 
systems in place, beach soccer in place at, at a certain point. And so just allowed me to, to really touch so many aspects of the sport. And spent about eight years, almost eight years at USL before making the move to Louisville City, the uh, still new USL championship team that's based in Louisville, Kentucky, and was was so much fun to be a part of a, a startup professional organization and one that really had an ownership and a supporting staff and a coaching staff that was committed and dedicated to doing everything right and investing in, in the organization and the players and in the community. And, and I think we saw results of that immediately with the support that the team and the club received from all areas of, of the Louisville community. And I uh, was there for two years before then moving to NWSL in January of 2017, which is where I've been now for a little more than two years and truly enjoy being a part of growing the women's game and being a part of the rise of soccer, which has been on an upward trajectory for 10 years now at a pace that uh, we're all, everyone who works in the sport uh, or, or, is, or is an athlete or is involved in some capacity, we're all thrilled about and uh, it, we're all benefiting from everyone's success in the sport and uh, glad to be a part of it. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the NWSL. So uh, you are president. I know the league doesn't currently have a position of commissioner, so I imagine you're doing a little bit of everything at the top level. How big a staff does the league have now? Right now at the league office, so we have two, we have NWSL, which is based in Chicago. And uh, at that office, we have four full-time employees. We also have our NWSL media commercial arm, which was launched in 2017, uh, which has a staff of 70 full-time folks right now. So we have 12, 13, 14 um, number of full-time staff that are currently dedicated to the NWSL in various capacities and are in the hiring process right now and, and will continue to be in that growth stage from an administrative standpoint for the next several months while we build out the staff to make a mo- more robust operation for the league and for our team operators. Right. You mentioned as we're having this discussion, you're about to kick off your uh, the seventh season of the National Women's Soccer League, which makes it the longest lasting, certainly, of the most recent efforts to have a professional women's soccer league in the United States and by a pretty significant margin. How are you feeling about the season coming in? You know, we're really proud of where we're at and the idea that we are kicking off the seventh season, which does make NWSL the longest standing women's professional soccer league in the United States. And with that pride comes a lot of excitement as well when the level of competition year in and year out has improved considerably. And I think this year, given changes between roster changes, coaching changes, and leadership changes between all of the organizations, uh, makes this year certainly interesting to see how the teams will take shape, how the results will take shape. And last year, North Carolina Courage having such a spectacular season, uh, certainly unforgettable. And seeing how that will continue, if it does, and, and how the other teams will match up against them in, in the 2019 season. Well, some of that excitement seems to be paying off in the stands as well. So you've got nine teams, uh, which is what you had last year. Last year, you lost franchises in Boston and Kansas City, but you gained one in Salt Lake City. And attendance-wise, you did really well, uh, over 6,000 a game on average. I imagine you were pretty happy with those numbers. We are, and we've seen steady growth over the previous six seasons and certainly anticipate that growth to continue through this season. 
And we learned a lot in 2015, which was the first uh, Women's World Cup year for NWSL to experience. And the data supports that this will be a year where we'll see an upward trend in attendance as a result of the visibility and engagement and support that women's soccer will see will be on the largest stage globally for sports. So there certainly will be a lot of attention around women's soccer and, and anticipate growth as a result of that tournament from the Women's World Cup this year, in addition to the work that the teams are doing at a local level to be more engaged in their communities and connect with their fans and uh, increase their attendance through their own efforts at a local level. Yeah, I'll I'll ask you about the World Cup here in a minute, but one of your cities in Portland averaged nearly 17,000 people per game last year, which is a huge number for any team in any sport. What in the world's going on in Portland? That is such a strong market. It's certainly special, isn't it? It's Portland has always been a leader from several areas across the business and attendance is one of those. And Portland's just is a market where the sport has just worked for the men's team as well as the women's team. And uh, it, it makes for an aspirational model and situation for other team operators to look to and, and better understand the dynamics that, that make that happen. But there's a certain culture that's in Portland uh, and that surrounds that organization that uh, really position them well and, and enable them to have that type of attendant success. And as we continue to see that, as, as other markets and other team operators continue to see that, both domestically and, and when you look globally, there's always an eye towards what is Portland doing. And, and I think they're proud of that. The organization is proud of that. Their fans are proud of that and recognize that not only is it fun to be a part of the Thorns games, they're leaders in the sport in that way. And I think there's they have a, an element of pride behind that also. Yeah, for sure. So you're at nine teams now. Amanda, is there a number that seems like the right ultimate target when you think about how big the league might ultimately get? You know, when we think about expansion, we think about ensuring we bring in the right owners, the right operators. Uh, we look at markets and how they fit in with our geographic footprint. We obviously have more teams located on the on more of the eastern seaboard than we do through the remainder of the western side of the United States, and certainly see gaps and markets in those gaps that could make sense for us. But as we look at those markets and we think about the type of ownership, we want to make sure that they're the right ownership that have experience and knowledge and uh, are working in a professional sports space to be able to come into NWSL and continue to raise the level of investment and, and continue to raise the level of the profile of the league and provide the resources and infrastructure that's necessary to operate correctly, operate at a high level and uh, be able to achieve a high level of success as well. Are you necessarily looking to be in a city that has an MLS or a USL team or does it really just depend on that ownership group and kind of the mix that you were just talking about? It depends on the mix of the, the areas that we were just talking about. Certainly, if, if there's a market that has an MLS or USL team, that's the priority group that we look at in that market. But it is a mix of, of all of the areas and want to make sure that any market, any ownership and any organization that come into this league are able to operate at a, at a high level. Right. Well, you've got that background in Louisville. They're building a nice new stadium for the, for the USL team. 
I'm thrilled for Louisville. Yes, I'm thrilled. That's going to be a wonderful stadium. And um, having been a part of the early stages of the pieces that needed to be put together to position that organization, that ownership to be able to move forward, very excited about what they're doing in Louisville. Well, before we get into uh, the World Cup, just another uh, question for you, Amanda, because this was a, a big development for the league earlier in, in the year. A&E Networks, which have been televising your games and investing in the league, I know they opted out of the last year of their deal. But how significant a development was that for the league and kind of where do you go from here after that? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a separation that uh, certainly wasn't planned or anticipated, but felt that a lot of things considered that the direction we ultimately went in with that partnership, we're in a strong position right now to capitalize on an opportunity and with the World Cup coming up and to have control of uh, the direction we take with sponsorship, the direction we take with our next broadcast agreement and uh, how that all ties into the business growth and expansion conversations. So A&E was, has, was a great partner for NWSL and, and certainly elevated the league to another level when you look at the growth that happened between 2017, 2018, and, and where we are today. And we're so appreciative of the support that they provided and expertise that they provided and, and how they helped us um, to move into sort of the, the next stage of, of NWSL. So uh, we feel stronger, though. We feel strong in, in where we're at and, and the conversations that we'll position to have and feel very confident given that NWSL as an entity now has full control of its commercial arm in NWSL media and can chart the path from here as we go forward. Yeah, I was going to say, certainly on one level, that's an opportunity for you. Exactly, exactly. And we're, we're excited about that, certainly considering you know, what is ahead for us and knowing the, the visibility that we'll have, we'll receive through the season and certainly as a result of the Women's World Cup. Right. Fans can still, they can stream your games on Yahoo and I know on the league website. Uh, Amanda, is it important to have a, a broadcast television partner for you? I, meant, I imagine that's the ultimate goal. It is important to us. So, so that's correct. This year, all of our uh, right now, all of our games will be streamed on Yahoo Sports through their platform domestically, and then all of our international fans will be able to uh, watch games on our app, our NWSL app and NWSLsoccer.com. We continue to be engaged in, in a short-term broadcast solution for the 2019 season, uh, which we anticipate um, news on that very soon. And then separately, we'll, we'll be working towards the 2020 and going forward broadcast agreement. And that level of visibility from networks on linear stations and uh, you know, there are several uh, sports networks where the, the visibility to fans of other sports and having a cross promotion into that fan group and, and those viewers and also support in, in other ways commercially around, uh, around the game are, are very important. We're still a young league, even, even heading into the seventh season, still very much a, a young league that has a lot of growth ahead of it. So it, it's important to be in front of as many fans and as many viewers that we can be in front of. So it's about finding that right home for NWSL games that makes sense within their um, larger community of, of sports that uh, are happening on that network. Right. Well, we've, we've talked about the World Cup, so let's uh, chat a little bit about that. The, the U.S. women, best team in the world, defending champions, and you know certainly they'll make a deep run, I would imagine, in France this year at the World Cup. So 
Amanda, what have those discussions been like? You you alluded to it a little bit earlier at the league as far as taking advantage of the exposure that that team, you know, particularly the U.S. team, which features so many of your players in the league, what that exposure is going to mean for the league. How are you planning to take best advantage of that opportunity? Well, considering you know, we all we all benefit. The sport benefits from this tournament every every four years, and and we anticipate this year with the interest in women's soccer, the interest in women's sports, the, the tournament being hosted in France, which is certainly a, a destination for so many supporters of the game. I anticipate this will be uh, one of the highest levels of, of ratings and viewership and fan support behind a women's tournament. And because we benefit from that and because we anticipate the, the number of players in 2015, we had more than 50 players from NWSL clubs playing in the Women's World Cup, uh, representing various different national associations. We anticipate uh, just as many, if not more, this year in the 2019 Women's World Cup. So organically, there will be a, a lot of tie-in and, and connection to NWSL through the tournament. And certainly with how well the U.S. Women's National Team is playing right now and, and our expectation that they'll, be, uh, they'll have a, a highly successful tournament, it will connect to NWSL and, and allowing us to take advantage of that in a, in a larger way. And uh, you know, as a result of where we are and where we're positioned, uh, due to our separation with A and E Networks, we're currently working right now to position ourselves and enter into uh, relationships that are going to have us positioned to really take advantage of that interest, um, not just from a fan standpoint, but from the broadcast standpoint that we, we kind of talked about already, and also from. Um, a sponsorship standpoint and the growing interest from partners that want to do more to support female athletes and want to support uh, women soccer players. Given the success in, of our U.S. women's national team on a regular basis, I anticipate we're going to be in a great position and and be able to really take advantage of, of that, the, the impact of the tournament as it relates to NWSL. Yeah. And I mean, the interest is obviously there. I was at the recent uh, match that the women played in Denver against Australia, you know, which had 17,000 people there. Uh, My colleague, Jennifer Lee, was at the match in Los Angeles against Belgium. I mean, 20,000 people. You see those numbers. I would imagine that's got to be encouraging for you as well as you think about second half of the season coming up for you guys. It is. And, you know, we talk about the on from a local level and the work that our clubs are doing on an engagement and a, an attendance, increasing attendance metrics. But we did learn from 2015 that there is, as a result of the 2015 Women's World Cup, there was an increase in ticket sales and increase in, in attendance. Uh, so we, we can see from that data and, and um, forecast for this year given how far we've come from 2015, that that type of interest will happen again. And certainly think our clubs are, are much stronger and, and very well positioned to be able to take advantage of that at the local level. And these new fans that come in to support the teams, they'll be better positioned to turn them into regular fans and not just a waterfall and domino from the Women's World Cup. Uh, you know, finding that way to really capture their interest and and keep them in their in their respective supporter culture, fan culture, and and season ticket buying system for years to come. 
is that a, a scheduling challenge for you guys? I, I know it is uh, anytime either the men's or women's World Cup comes around for the professional leagues just by nature of the of the timing. But uh, how are you able to handle that this year? So we're taking a week off the first week of the tournament and then we'll play through the remainder of the tournament. And this year we've added a, a couple weeks to our total length of our regular season to both allow for us to take that week off at, at the start of the Women's World Cup and to reduce the need for the number of midweek games. Given we're a, a nine-team league, every week we have at least one team off, so it necessitates a mid more midweeks than our, our teams certainly want, and for us as a league, than we want. But we have extended that season by a couple weeks to allow for us to capture everything that we want to and also have put our schedule, focused our schedule to have more games behind the Women's World Cup in order to really take advantage from a from a sales, uh, both sponsorship and ticket sales standpoint. We'll close out here, Amanda. I'll put you on the hot seat. Any predictions for the World Cup, knowing that you've got players on a, a number of different teams competing? Yeah, you know, my I, I think the United States is playing as well as it's ever played. And to see that and knowing how much Jill Ellis has really explored and with the with the lineups and with the players that have been in camp and playing for the team. I think she's she's certainly done the work over the last four years and in this cycle of identifying and getting the players ready for this tournament. And since they are playing so well right now, we'll always um, expect them to win the tournament. But aside from that, you know, there are other countries that are playing really well right now too. And I think when you look at France as a host country and, and how well they're playing right now, England, Canada always is is competitive in, in these tournaments and continues to get better. Uh, Australia, um, we'll see about Japan and Brazil. So I just, you know, it's so exciting to think about the talent that's on these rosters, certainly the talent that currently play in, plays in NWSL and will be representing all of those countries uh, during the tournament. So I definitely think it'll be highly competitive, but my biggest anticipation is the visibility and engagement and all of the positive commercial opportunities that will come from this tournament are going to be more than they've ever been and higher than they've ever been. Excellent. Well, Amanda, you know, we wish you the best of luck coming out of the, uh, the World Cup and throughout the season. And uh, very much appreciate you taking this much time out, especially as uh, your season begins here um, in the next couple of days. So good luck to you. And thanks very much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Jason. It was great being with you today. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Tune in to our next episode, which will feature Yu Chang Chang, the president of Topgolf Media, who will discuss Topgolf's entry into the esports market. Until then, this is Jason Gewurz for Sports Travel Magazine. Thanks for listening.